Hi there, Andy here. Before this episode starts, I just wanted to let you know that it occasionally features some mildly fruity language as we tackle the topic of leadership. It's nothing major, but I just thought you should know. Anyway, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, much has changed in the world of business over the last two years, at least. But perhaps the biggest change of all has come in the recognised importance for leaders to have a more genuine connection with their people. And I say recognise because I I personally think that this has always been important, right? But recognising that leaders need to have better human skills that project a real care and concern for people in their employee and that feels sincere It's been one of those things that I think has really come into focus over those last two years. With employees needing and demanding more from businesses and leaders that they work with and feeling perhaps more empowered to take their talent and efforts elsewhere if they don't get it. Now, this has brought an interesting challenge for some leaders. It's challenged the beliefs and understanding of what leadership is for many and presented a tricky opportunity for some of them. Trying to develop a style of leadership that gets results, promotes trust in their teams, and feels authentic doesn't come naturally to everybody. But everybody's capable of it, I think. And it's that final piece I want to concentrate on today. Authenticity and what that really means for leadership. And today, I am joined by Tim Roberts from Enthuse Coaching. Now, he has brought his own fun energetic, no-nonsense style to the world of exec coaching. He's recently launched a book called Breaking the Mold, I'm going to say volume one, uh, How to Be the Best Version of You, which tackles the topic of being an authentic leader and busting the behavioral myths of what some might call the traditional approach to leadership. And it's all coming from a coaching perspective. Now, I've just read the book, so I can definitely say that he has a really interesting perspective on the topic of what authentic leadership actually means, including in the book, the use of song lyrics instead of traditional motivational quotes. So we're going to see here today what Tim has in store with this book, and he's going to share with you the lessons and the coaching advice that's contained therein. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you, Andy. Great to see you, mate. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm very happy that you got in a little bit about the, uh, the music influence. I really appreciate that. Well, I think that's something that comes out loud and clear when you read the book in that it's a fabulous way of bringing 
another kind of trigger into setting up a topic or what it means. And and actually, when I was reading the book, you forget what poets these people are with the, with the lyrics. I mean, I'm one of those guys who probably doesn't hear lyrics properly and for years sings the wrong lyric to a tune when I hear it. Yeah. So actually, we're all guilty of that. <laughs> in fact, in the book, there were a few lyrics that I was like, oh my God, those are the words, are they? Brilliant. So look, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. Tim, I've followed you for a while, so I know quite a bit about you. Not not everything. Got to find out some more today. But just for everybody's listening, how about give us a brief introduction to you, what you've been doing and what you're up to right now? Thanks, Andy. Yeah, so I'm a, a leadership coach and an inspirational speaker and author. Author. I, I, I keep needing yeah. to remember to add that to the list. <laughs> don't I? I should put that first. So yeah, I'm, as you said, I'm author of Break the Mold, Volume 1. So what, what does that mean? Because I guess there's hundreds, if not thousands, of leadership coach inspirational speakers out there. So the key thing for me is I take a no bullshit approach to helping people to become authentic leaders. The key to that, where I spend most of my time, is helping people to develop and apply their emotional intelligence. So aligns that is helping them to approach uh, to adopt a coaching style to their leadership. That's a huge part of being more authentic is bringing in that coaching element to their leadership. Yeah, we come from or are cut from the same cloth on on that front, my friend. There's nothing like I don't think running or participating in those sort of leadership development programs where you see people and it is awful because it sounds like i'm from pop idol or britain's got talent they go on a real journey and being part of that and seeing all those little sparks that happen throughout that program is one of the best things we get to do in life right i think that that, that's a tremendous thing so privilege yes i think you're absolutely right i think when i look back in my time doing that, certainly from when I was on, if you like, the other side of the table, uh, and, and now as the facilitator, as the coach, uh, I, I believe a big thing that comes from that is delayed gratification, mm. which I think all leaders have to have. I think from an authentic point of view, we have to have that ability to see, like you said, not, without making it like X Factor, it is a journey. Mm. There's a part in the book I referred to that you're on this leadership of journey and then you retire. You know, nobody really masters leadership. And I think the key element for me in that leadership journey is that I want them to come to the end of it as themselves so one of the big challenges and to use the language in the book I talk a lot about people fitting the mold Mm. I think one of the challenges at the moment with leadership well not just at the moment it has been forever with leadership development is we we put people through these leadership development programs and we get them to fit the mold as in here's somebody else's leadership style, here's somebody else's model, here's somebody else's success story. And then at the end of that journey, they've had a great time, yet when they then go back to the real world and they're faced with the same challenges, it's very hard to think, oh, well, what would Belbin do with Angry Bob, who I manage? And, all right, well, what would Simon Sinnott tell me to say to negative Rita, who's moaning about the air conditioning again? Yeah, and I've yeah. got Sue over here that all she wants to do is work all day with a camera off. I was... John Adair going to help me with that. Now, look, I love all those people that I've just mentioned, and they absolutely deserve their place in leadership development. The key focus for me is enabling them to leave that journey and go, right, I know how I'll respond to Bob. I know how I can engage with Sue. I can look at this now from a point of view of understanding why Rita's miserable and create an environment where she can still be at her best and I can feel confident as a leader. And that's the... The key message for me really is it's about being your true authentic self because that's that's will help you to be confident and on that journey and most importantly that's how you can really enjoy that journey as a leader because many people become leaders 
and then suddenly don't enjoy what they do. And, and it's a bit, well, I'm here now. I can't step down. You know, I, I, I've got to keep doing it for whatever reason that is. And they, and they just see it as this negative burden, whereas actually if you lead as your true authentic self, you see it as an opportunity. You see it as your ability to enjoy what you do as well as helping others to enjoy what they do. 100%. And I think that comes through loud and clear as a strong theme in the book, as does the whole bit around, look, being yourself is a lot easier than trying to be somebody else, right? It's a lot less tiring. It's a lot easier to do. And people see through this crap of not being yourself, yes. right? That, that's that's the biggest thing I, I kind of took from the book. And as I've said to you off air, you know, I am a slow reader, right? I There's some dyslexia and all sorts of bits and pieces going on there, I'm sure. But I sit there and I have to read a book with all the voices. Uh, otherwise, it just doesn't work for me. And luckily, I know your voice, so I was able to put your voice in there. But it comes through loud and clear, and you can really feel that that is the whole essence here. It, it is, <laughs> to overplay the word already today, it's an authentic description of you know what leadership's about and finding your own way, and that, or those words, your own, is what's important. Yeah, and thank you. I'm really pleased that that came through from the book. And it, a few people who know me have said to me, I, I couldn't read it without your voice in my head. And to me, I'm like, oh, God, I'm really sorry about that. And they're like, no. <laughs> That's good. It is good. Um, because, you know, they were saying, obviously, it gets the message across. So, yeah, right, I'm very grateful that people see it that way. But, yeah, I mean, it, you, you picked up on it. I think uh, what I'd say was a key challenge for me when I was writing the book. I was really, really keen that the book feels like something that when you're reading it, it it's holding the mirror up to you. So, yeah, okay, guilty as charged. I'm a coach. So that's what I do for a living. I want to hold the mirror up to people. And that was something I was really keen to do. That, that's why there was a really big focus for me on not, not telling lots and lots of famous success stories or, sure. or follow it, fit in the mold of using somebody else's success as the example, because I want, I want somebody to read the book and be able to go, yeah, I've done that. I felt like that. Mm. I work with people who do that and, and make, make them think about, okay, either how do I make sure, one of the terms I use in the book is how do I make sure that I'm not one of the dickheads? Yeah. And conversely, what do I need to do to be my true authentic self? How do I demonstrate that to me first and then enable to get that over in the impact that I have on others? And that, that's the key thing I, I really, really hope you know, from a, the book point of view, is that when people are reading it, they're nodding along and thinking, yeah, I can relate to this, I can see this. And we, it's very, very easy in, in what I do to lose sight of the fact that all these successful CEOs or, you know, amazing athletes that we talk about, who, again, by the way, I love, they're a very, very small percentage of leaders. Mm -hmm. The reality is most leaders have become leaders without really choosing that or without knowing that's the path. Most leaders get promoted to lead the team that they were part of, to lead a team that are still doing the job that they're an expert in. Mm. And that's my wish, really, is that the book talks to those, talks to the millions of leaders around the world that have those kind of challenges that maybe can, are absolutely inspired by those successful stories. Yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, I want them to be able to break the mold and go into work every, well, first of all, to want to go to work and, and to be able to turn up as their true authentic selves, to be able to recognise the thoughts and feelings that they have, the perceptions that's created, and then be able to say, okay, for me to be able to overcome those challenges, the first thing I need to do is be my true authentic self. Well, I mean, as I said, that definitely comes through in the book. 
it's always a fine line when we're talking to somebody who's got a book out or has done something that you don't want to give everything away, right? You want people <laughs> yes. to read it and take it in. But, and I know you sort of cover this at the start, but your inspiration for writing this book, Tim, do you want to just share that with us before we start digging into some of the concepts that are in there? For me, the inspiration, it always starts with you. So uh, the inspiration for me comes from my own experience as a leader Mm. and comes from all the mistakes that I made, comes from the unhappy times when I can see that I was trying to fit the mould of when I allowed myself to not be authentic and think that I had to wear this work mask and think that I had to be like everybody else and had this perception in my mind that there's a professional Tim and a personal Tim, you know, which is absolute, let's be honest, it's bollocks, isn't it? You are the same person, whether you're at work or whether you're at home. Yeah, I know from my own experience, that led to nothing but unhappiness. Sure, I progressed, I got promoted, I, I, I climbed the corporate ladder, as they say. Yet to me, it was resulting in mainly being unhappy and an a team that wasn't really performing. Mm. Yeah, we'd, we'd do all right and we'd react when, when the crisis was there and we'd be able to do things. And I can look back, I was paying lip service to a lot of things. You know, classic, let's do an appraisal once a year. Let's not give anybody feedback. You know, let's not worry about personal development. It's all pink and fluffy. Um, and then I had, luckily for me, I had the experience where I broke the mould and I, I was introduced to emotional intelligence. I was... I got to work with the most inspirational leader I've ever worked with. I got switched on to self-help books, personal development books, leadership books, whatever category or label people want to put them into. So to me, there is that, there is, when I look back on my career, there's many, many years of fitting the mould. And then these, I would say, probably last 10 or 15 years of breaking the mould. And that was a big inspiration for me. Because if I'm honest with you, Andy, I think, well, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And the reason I say that is because how I've broken the mould to be happy in my role, to, to have a purpose, to become a coach, an inspirational speaker, is down to my emotional intelligence. It's down to my ability to recognise that, okay, I don't have to do everything that my thoughts and feelings tell me to do. Mm. That what people actually want from you is for you to be authentic, is to be your true authentic self, is to be your best version of you they don't want you to fit the mold that the ceo sets for you they don't want you to fit the mold of the culture of the organization or of what people define as a leader they just want you to be yourself and the realization for me is that you can do that and still be a, a better leader never mind daily you can be a better leader from that that led to a lot of hard work for me being you know qualified accredited experienced in what i do now and you know went on that journey at a time in my life where probably a lot of other people are thinking, well, no, I'm settled now. I'm all right now. I'm in my job. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'll just keep uh, keeping my head down and fitting the mould. So I went absolutely. There's a great coaching question I like to ask people. It's that what would happen if you did the opposite of the people around you? Yeah, great question. And that's what I can see I did. I was encouraged to do it. I took that opportunity. So a lot of the inspiration comes from my own experience because I also know that there's many other leaders going through what I went through and they just haven't yet had the opportunity to recognise, okay, I can choose how I respond to my thoughts and feelings. I don't have to do what everybody else does and that will still enable me to be a leader. It will allow my team to perform. It will build relationships because we're 
we're often terrified of being different, aren't we? So we fit the mold. And then a, a second part of the inspiration is, of course, to help other people. Uh, you know, a, a big purpose for me is to inspire people to be their best version of themselves. And I'm very lucky in that I love what I do. I love my job. You know, some people hate it when you say that. Well, sorry, I've been in jobs that I hated and I now love what I do. So, you know, I, I want to give people the opportunity to feel the same. Whatever job they do, I want them to wake up in the morning, want to get to work. So a big part of me, you know, being able to do what I love doing is, is to create a business that gives you the chance to work with people. And a big ambition of mine, my only lifelong ambition, actually, after playing for Manchester United and being a rock and roll star, which by about age 14, I was never going to be a Premier League footballer. And yeah, I think rock star, I can't sing or play an instrument, so I had to let them go. So the only lifelong ambition that took me was to write a book. I, I remember being even in primary school thinking I really enjoy writing and it was always this thing in the back of my mind. So I thought, well, why not? You know, why not? And then the inspiration from that comes from if I'm going to write that book, I've got to make it authentic. I've, you know, as soon as we'd chosen the title with a publisher and it's about breaking the mold, well, the book has to break the mold. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, think so it, I, I, think, I think it does, my friend. I think it does. I think in the way that you, you tell the stories. And particularly, I love <laughs> the point that you make around um, telling relatable stories. Because we can we can all tell stories of famous races or famous businesses or sports guys that have done amazing things and triumphs against adversity. Yeah. But how do I apply that to my day-to-day life? And so for me, stories like Steve's story in your book about losing his way and yes. finding his way back to being him uh, yes. in a in a completely relatable everyday context to me those are really powerful you, i mean i'm sure you're the same but if i'm stood up in front of a group trying to help them find their leadership style it's often the stories of me being an absolute ass and making masses of mistakes in the past mm. that get the biggest reaction and get the most helpful comments back from people saying that oh yeah i could really understand that you made that really really clear yeah look i i've catalogue of mistakes but i'd like to think i've now moved on from but it is those relatable things that make a difference if people can see that i can apply it to what i do i think that's the key and and the book delivers that in spades my friend yes thank you do you know you picked on a really important point there that you're right when you're working with leaders I, it never fails to amaze me when, I, when I'm working with them as, as a coach or as an inspirational speaker or when I'm facilitating the leadership programs. And, I, and I'll share that, you know, this is a mistake I made. You know, one of the uh, stories I reference in the book is that I famously got punched by a young girl after uh, dismissing her. You know, that's certainly not what I wanted from being a leader. And when you share those kind of stories, you know, people are suddenly like, oh, I've made that mistake. Mm. Oh, right, okay, yeah, I know about that. And you're right, it's helping people to see everybody makes mistakes, so that's the key authentic part of it. You know, there's a key message there that too often as a leader, we fit this mould of I've got to be right. If I'm wrong, it's weak, and if I'm wrong, they'll challenge me, and if I'm wrong, no one will believe me or do what I want them to do. And, you know, the complete opposite is true. When you break the mould as a leader and all you up and go, I've caught up there, guys. I mm. called this wrong. Mm. I'm sorry. And ask them for feedback and engage with people. That is much more powerful than pretending it didn't happen, blaming others, you know, almost ignoring the fact that you got something wrong. 
and giving yourself the chance to learn from it will always have a bigger impact. And I knew for me when I when I set out that in the book, I've read, you know, I, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands of, of leadership books. And some stories are repeated. Yeah, of course. Um, you, 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 you read another book and you think, oh, here we go. This is a story of Netflix and Blockbuster again. Mm. Here we go. This is the same uh, experiment that they did in this university. And look, they all have a place. They're all inspirational. What I wanted to do with the book is, is allow people to sit there and read it and think, yeah, this is different. I've never read about this guy losing his shit in an ice cream queue before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I've never heard about somebody being given feedback about talking to the back of your head before. So to remember that, and yes, the, the authentic stories that are in there, I'm very lucky and very grateful that a number of my coaching clients allowed me to share parts of their story. So Steve, that you mentioned, that's mm. the story that ends the book. I yeah. can't think of anybody more fitting. And then there's a, a number of other real stories in there that I wanted to invite them to demonstrate. This is where I was when I was fitting the mould and I had these challenges. And actually now I've become, now I've gone back to being my true authentic self. This is now where I'm at. Yeah. And, and I hope from that people take confidence. I hope they read those stories and believe, yeah, that, I, I can relate to that. I want to change that for myself. And I hope that through reading the book, it enables them to do that. Well, if I take a sort of paraphrase approach to giving your definition of breaking the mold, it is getting back to that being your true authentic self, right? That's yes. that's what we're really talking about here. Let's let's try and dig into some of the I guess the concepts and advice that you try and give in, in the book. But contextually, where do you start to sort of see people falling foul of the traditional? leadership approach what do you see what are you warning against and how do we fight against it yeah so it, it is that it's about being your true authentic self so the key part of breaking the mold or how to break the mold is making positive choices to respond to your thoughts and feelings so as a human being one of the biggest challenges that we have is that your heart and mind will generate Thoughts and feelings triggered by your emotions. Yep. You, you, I write about that in the book. You can't change the fact that you're an emotional creature. So you, your reaction to the world will always be based from an emotional point of view. That emotional reaction triggers those thoughts and feelings. And that happens. You never have to say, okay, brain, now think this. Or okay, heart, now feel this. It just does it naturally for you. The, the danger for us there is that that is an emotional truth. It's not always the factual truth. And what happens to many, many leaders in particular is that they have those thoughts and feelings and they believe that that's reality. They believe that they have to do what that tells them to do. So where they fall foul of that is, I guess, potentially where we might feel a bit insecure. We might feel a lack of confidence as a leader. Many leaders share with me that they go through that challenge of them thinking, I'm not good enough for this. Um, I'll get found out. Yeah. You know, many leaders have used that term for me. I mean, okay, a lot of people talk about it being imposter syndrome. And yeah, that's exactly part of it, is that I'm suddenly this leader. I'd have been promoted to the team I was part of. Well, now they were my mates. Now I'm their boss. How do I deal with that? Or it might be that we get promoted and join a different organisation. I'm a senior leader. And again, there's that level of, am I good enough for this? Yeah. Do I know what I'm talking about? So that then triggers certain behaviours. So leaders might try to wing it. and They might just go into complete blind ignorance and just start 
going into command and control. Many leaders who do command and control is because he's driven by fear. It's driven by insecurity. So they simply go into authority. I'm a leader. I'll tell you what to do. Don't question it or I'll give you a hard time. Mm. And they micromanage. And that's absolutely part of that fit in the mould because the mould comes from your perceptions of your world triggered by your thoughts and feelings. Other examples of that would be where you've got the the opposite side of it, if you like, um, which would fall into the dickhead category for me, is where leaders experience those thoughts and feelings of frustration, of that people are not thinking like them, that people are not as ambitious as them, that they don't work as hard as them, that they don't get it, you know, that they've spent their career working really hard and being promoted. Now the leader of the team of people who aren't like them. And that frustration can lead to them taking that out on the people around them, you know, and, and speaking, whether it's patronising them, bullying them, just simply... Uh, pushing them aside and not engaging with them in any shape or form. That leads to a lot of narcissism. Um, I share quite a lot of that in the book, but I've experienced that firsthand. Or what also happens to leaders in terms of fitting the mould is that they they go into self-preservation. So they think, well, I have to do exactly what the organisation tells me to do. And what happens is they have very awkward, difficult conversations where the person sat opposite from them is sat there thinking, this isn't you. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, I, I shared a, a, an example of me where I was told to not put depression on my return to work form, even though that's what I've been offered. With. That's what I shared. And I know the person who said that to me, they don't believe in that at all. That is not their, that does not come from their human values because I know that person or I did when I worked with them. Yet for me, they were fitting the mould of the CEO telling them what to do. And I'm almost being afraid of having to go back and say, this is my team and they've got these problems. Mm. So they fit into that self-preservation. So there's many, many things that then become of that. All the classic things that you see from a leadership point of view, communication fails, they don't lead change, zero trust exists, engagement is low, productivity is very bad, they don't give feedback, they don't encourage people. All of those attitudes and behaviours that come from those thoughts and feelings. So where the book and where I work with leaders is enabling them to build their emotional intelligence. It's about being able to recognise, okay, I'm experiencing these thoughts and feelings of insecurity or fear because I'm new to this role. I've never done it before. Everybody's looking at me different because I've now been promoted. And then giving them a chance to stop and say, well, what's the reality of this? What's the response that you want to choose to those thoughts and feelings? And at the heart of that has to be your true authentic self. Has to be an ability to go, okay, that's how I'm feeling. Well, my values are based on trust, integrity, honesty. So what I'll do is I'll go and have conversations that are aimed at building trust, that give me a chance to be honest, and the most important thing is that I'm going to demonstrate integrity and I'm going to choose that as a response to those thoughts and feelings. Because the other opposite is, well, I'll just focus on results. I'll just tell them what to do. That's not my problem. That's their problem. And those thoughts and feelings don't go away. They actually intensify over time. So you're able to then choose a positive response based on who you truly are. And that's one of the key things I talk about in the book and I work with leaders is that 
we have to remember as a human being that when you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow, what helps you to have a really good night's sleep isn't that you ate a KPI or that you filled a position by recruiting somebody or that you cleared your inbox or you went to 20 teams calls or you answered every one of your boss's phone calls for the day. <laughs> Whoopee! It's that your heart and mind can subconsciously say to you, you lived up to what you stand for today. You demonstrated attitudes and behaviours that you want to be associated with, that align with the impact that you want to have on the people around you. So even though you have faced pressure from other people, you chose to respond in a way that lives up to what you stand for. And whether that's responding to the CEO and saying, no, I'm not going to do that, or it's taking that order from the CEO and going back to your team and having the open, honest conversation. You know, the, the depression example you know, is a very, very simple way to do that. You just respond based on what you stand for. And you say to the other person, what do you want to put on your return to work form? Don't worry about it. It's your choice. Yeah. So my friend, you, you mentioned guys like Covey in your book from the stance of let's not just repeat Stephen Covey again. But I mean, you, you can't argue that the, the seven habits is a, tremendous book, yes. right? but everything kind of comes down to a choice at the yes. end of the day so your word choices i think is in, is incredibly uh important i mean there's so much to unpack there the the use of emotion i mean it's one of the things we have to be really careful about i think sometimes when we, we talk about this stuff with leadership development because in one breath we're talking about emotion being an incredibly powerful driver to get people to come over the top of the trench with you and follow the cause and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, it can be a complete derailer when it comes yes. to making objective decisions about stuff, right? So that emotional intelligence of tuning in and working out, you know, when is emotion a force for good? And actually, when do I need to kind of just cool the jets a wee bit, I think is yes. is a key skill. And some people say, they just, I think some people just take it for granted. And I, it's a muscle you've got you've to work out, I think, to sort of build and understand and test. One of the things I really like is your use of, I think you've got this sort of map of the world, which is really about tuning into what that authentic self is, what those values are, and finding, to me, it's that center of gravity for you. And yes. you know, when, when you know where your center of gravity is, it feels good and natural and everything's easy. When you know when you're to the left or to the right of it, Everything feels a bit unstable. And I think this whole thing of using your values to find and anchor your authentic self is so important as a leader. Yes. If you can't manage yourself, how the hell can you lead other people? Uh, absolutely. You, you've articulated probably better than I do. I talk about it always starts with you. you know, my message in the book is that you have to sort your own shit out first before you can help anybody else. And yeah, the map of the world is absolutely central to that. And, a key benefit of the map of the world and why I encourage every coaching client that I work with to do that and many leaders that we run the leadership development programs with is because it helps with that self-awareness. And your mm. self-awareness is, is the superpower, the only superpower you can have as a human being. When you've got that heightened self-awareness because it allows you to make the choices. That's That awareness is where those choices come from because if you don't have the awareness of how you're feeling, the impact that you're having, what you want to happen. Your choices are going to be very hard to be positive ones. 100%. And you're right, it helps with the internal self-awareness. So your map of the world is ultimately what determines your emotional reactions to it. So absolutely, Andy, like you said, if you're working with people whose values match yours, or they at least 
know what your values are, you know theirs, and you agree how that's going to work together. That's when you feel comfortable, you feel confident, you're self-motivated to be your best version of you. Conversely, if you work in a culture or a team whose values don't align with yours and they conflict and you don't have those open conversations, you're going to have negative emotional reactions to it. And starting with that is what enables you to recognize, okay, when I'm dealing with this person, it's not because they're different or they're right and I'm wrong or vice versa. It's it's recognizing that they're not giving me trust, for example, or they're not demonstrating integrity. And that's what's making me frustrated. I know for me, one of the leaders I worked with, (laughs) incompetent Ian uh, in the book, um, was one of the most nicest people you'd ever meet. I I genuinely believe he he really had a, he was caring deep down. He had no integrity whatsoever. Mm. And he would just change his mind all the time with zero awareness of the impact that that had on people around him. And he literally had people who worked with him who were just exhausted, frustrated, fed up. And that's the, the big thing for me, isn't because of his incompetence. It's when I look back, he had no integrity. And integrity is, is one of my huge values. And, and being able to understand that allows you to choose a response, allows you to recognise, I don't have to allow Ian to piss me off. His behaviour and his attitudes are his problem. What I need to do is choose to demonstrate integrity in my attitude and behaviours. This is what something that's really, really important. Because what happens to many, many leaders, if they're working with, let's just say, their boss who conflicts with their map of the world, the temptation is to take that out on your team. The temptation is to go, well, I get it in the neck, so I'll come and kick you lot. And we start to blame other things or we start to blame the organisation. When you break the mold, you're able to recognize and frustrate with my boss because they conflict with my map of the world. That is not my team's fault. What I can then do is choose to be able to say, okay, I'm still going to behave in a way that represents who I am and what I stand for. And, where, and that's then the external self-awareness because you consider the impact that you have on others. Because you know, if you imagine a leader that, you know, I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake, upsets their team. And three months later, they get to the point where they're apologising and they're saying, oh, I'm sorry, it's because Ian was putting me under this pressure. The team can sit there and go, that's not my problem. You know, I I appreciate that. I empathise. What goes on with you and Ian isn't my fault. What I want is you. I want you as my leader to be your true authentic self. So that map of the world allows you to really understand who you are, what you put on your map of the world is, is what you bleed. If I cut you in half, it's what you would bleed enables you to really have that awareness and then bring it in to where you work with the team. So with the book, there's a digital workbook that people can download and it has space in there to create your own map of the world and also a worksheet for you to do that with your team. So something I always encourage leaders to do is get to know your own map of the world and then go back and do that with your team because the values of you and your team are not what's written on the office wall and not what's on your job description. You might re- you might relate to some of them, and yes, some of them might match up, even if you choose to work for an organisation that says our biggest value is trust and trust is a big value of mine. It might mean different things because trust means different things to different people. So leaders having that open 
conversation. That's Steve, the story you referred to earlier. That that's the big thing that inspired me about him is he went and did that with the people that he led, those three leaders he worked for a long time. And he said, I, you know, I found out things about them that I never knew. And he said, now we understand. This is why they don't speak up in a meeting. This is why they find dealing with those people really difficult, yet I find it really easy. So having that much greater awareness allows you and the team that you work with to make those positive choices, to be able to go, okay, this is how we'll respond as a team. Absolutely. I, I think one of the powerful bits of that particular story is is the sharing of the val- my values right, yes. with, with the team and then the request to hold each other account to, to those things. Yes. I think that's really, really important. And I come back to your point around working cultures. I get frustrated, as people who listen to this podcast will know, because I bang on about it too often, but there is a misconception that successful cultures are all happy, lovely places, and they're they're just not, right? (laughs) These places are full of candor and challenge, and people kind of getting stuck into stuff. It's not about happiness per se. That might become as an output. This is about groups of people coming together, solving difficult shit and making stuff happen um, together. I think that's, that's where it works. And I fundamentally believe that that alignment, not saying they're the same, but understanding an alignment of, of values and holding each other's yes. account is a principal part of making a team or making a culture function properly. Really, really do. So, yeah, it's absolutely fundamental that leadership teams in particular create that environment where it's based on your human values, not what's on your job description or you are not your job title, you are you. It's not based on what the organisation give you as values. It's based on who you are as a human being. 100%. And look, we're restricted by time today to enable, you know, not to let us get into all of the brilliant models, including, let's be honest, everybody's interested in the circle of knobheads. Um, yeah. That, that, be, that will be a, I'm not going to get, I'm just going to let people find that out in the book, right? Um, but that, that, that is, that is a piece well worth, well worth reading and definitely put some joy yeah. in my heart thinking about that and thinking about two things all the knobheads that would appear on my list, but also how many other people's knobhead lists I would have appeared on at certain stages in my career. Yeah. Do you know, Andy, that's, <laughs> that's exactly the point of it. Yeah. It, it's the circle of knobheads is about building relationships and it's about being authentic and having a bit of fun with it. And you're right. It, it's given people a chance to go, yeah, why am I wasting my time and energy on that knobhead? I don't really need them. They don't help me. Yet their behaviour is creating these thoughts and feelings that's making me spend all this time and energy over here. And, yeah, it, it, that's one of the key questions in the book. He's stopping and going, I wonder how many circle of knobheads I'm in? <laughs> exactly. And whose circles, you know, do I need to be in, you know, with my team, with my peers? So, so yeah, I, I really i am looking forward to people feeding back on that. Do you know what's funny about the circle of knobheads is um, when I first came up with that, everything inside of me was screaming, don't call it that. You know, it was telling me that that's not right. You know, all of those things, you know, for me, I had to break the mold and go, no, I believe in it. So please, you did call it like you did call it because that you wouldn't have been authentic, my friend. I think, again, when people read the book, particularly towards the end, your focus on the use of really powerful coaching questions and what all this stuff adds up adds up to is being able to ask really decent coaching questions yes. right through it 
and having those tougher conversations, but always coming from a good place. And I think that's that to me is another theme from the book about authentic leadership is look having expectations of people, but instilling in them that you you believe that they can get there, and that's why you're challenging them, and that's why you're pushing them right. And and your use of coaching, well, you're a coach, uh, is is loud and clear in there. I'm not going to go into more of the book in detail because I want people to get it. I want people to read it and take their own stuff out of it. Do you know what, Tim? It's a bit like the secret diary of Adrian Mole, aged 13 and three quarters for me. And I say that because that was the book as a guy who struggled with reading that got me into reading books originally. And your book has got me back into reading business books. It really, it really has. I've just started reading oh, uh, Culture Code by Dan Coyle as a result of your, yeah. your book, which is another, which is a great book. So I'm, look, I'm not trying to gush too much. I'm just trying to sort of say people need to come and have a look at this. It's a very fresh take on, on leadership. It hits a lot of my buttons, which is why I'm so effusive about it. But I would love people to sort of go and, go and check it out. Tim, I have this part of the show called Sticky Notes, right, which is my attempt to summarize all the flipping things we've talked about or not managed to talk about on three post-it notes that people could take away. They appear on the Instagram feed of the podcast, so it will be immortalized in, I don't know, dusky pink or, or a yellow, whatever your, your choice is. But if you were to leave the listeners today with three pieces of advice baking on how they can break the mold, what would those three pieces of advice be, my friend? Number one has to be it always starts with you. You are not your job title. You are you. So the the big thing with that is focus on being clear on who you really are. Particularly as a leader, get clear on the impact that you want to have on yourself and those around you. One of the key things I always talk to people about is in the good times and the bad times, people remember you for how you behave. You know, I often challenge people on that is to say that if I ask a group of people to fill a flip chart with all the great business results that leaders have got, they'd struggle. Whereas if I say, fill that flip chart with all the behaviours and the attitudes and the impact that leaders have had on you, they need an entire wall. So really be clear that it always starts for you. You always have a choice in that. Uh, The way other people behave is not your problem. Your only problem is choosing the impact that you really want to have on others. Second of all, leadership is not about someone else's theory or style. It's about you. So stop looking for the answer in somebody else's model or uh, theory, really look for you. Um, As one of the stories in the book, which is Steve shares, go back to being you. Uh, Third and finally, remember that people want authenticity. We are naturally attracted to authenticity. So break them all by choosing that positive response to your thoughts and feelings. And within that, remember that emotional intelligence will get you further in life than anything else. There's three brilliant pieces of advice there, and they they sum up the book beautifully. So talking of the book, Tim, where can people get hold of it, my friend? Amazon, unsurprisingly, is the first <laughs> one. Um, as my publisher tells me, you, you live or die by your sales and reviews on Amazon. It is, it is literally the world's biggest bookstore. So, yeah, they can search it. Uh, it can just simply go to Amazon, search my name in books, or search Break the Mold uh, in books. Uh, they can get it from my resource website, which is italwaystartswithyou.com. So uh, I sell the fancy pants version of it, where if you want the signed hardback with some enthused goodies and 
uh, access to the digital workbook included in that, then you can buy it direct from me. But the easiest way when this podcast finishes, just go to Amazon, search up Great and Old, and you can buy it on the Kindle version or you can get the older paperback delivered to you. Brilliant. Well, I encourage everybody listening to go and check out Break the Mold. I think it's a fantastic book and told with a really fresh perspective. Well, thanks very much for your time, Tim. I really appreciate you coming on. It's great to speak to you. Great to see you. And uh, yeah, very best of luck with the book sales, my friend. Thanks a lot. And I really enjoyed our chat. Keep smiling. Keep being you. Thanks, my friend. Okay, that was Tim Roberts. If you'd like to find out a bit more about him and about the book, please check out our show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.